Welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I sit down with Miller Bradford of Builder Bookkeep. Miller got his start in the construction world in 2020, working for his brother in Birmingham, Alabama as the controller of the company. Quickly, he realized how much he could help other small businesses with things like bookkeeping, online bill pay, whip reporting, and financial systems and operations. In 2022, he started Up Accounting so he could serve small businesses as a fractional CFO and controller. And Miller quickly discovered that builders were his ideal clients. In 2023, Builder Buckkeep app was developed specifically for builders to handle easily job costing, overhead expenses, bill approval, and uncategorized expenses all in one app. Hey, Miller, welcome to the show. Hello, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. And before we get into uh, the numbers today, which is what we're going to dive into, tell me a little bit about how you got into construction. Yeah. So my brother is a custom home builder, remodeler, high-end architecture work here in Birmingham. And he just kind of randomly approached me a few years ago about working together and started working for him in January of 2020, doing all of his accounting. And a couple months later, COVID hit. We both started working from home and never wanted to go back. But I kept working for him for a few years. And then it was kind of on my radar for a while that this is what I really wanted to do, you know, for more than just him. You know, there's, I think the whole world is just opening up to, you know, outsource bookkeepers, accountants, fractional CFOs. And I, uh, I think in April of 2022, I asked him if I could turn him into a client and start my own business. And he basically gave me his blessing, if you will. And, uh, he became number one client and then I just kind of hit the ground running. So backgrounds in construction because of him. I knew it was just what I wanted to focus on, you know, as soon as I started my business. So yeah, that's cool. Did you ever picture yourself as a business owner? Is that something you always knew you wanted to do? Or it just kind of hit you in this time? You know? (laughs) No, no, that's actually a good question. I did always want to be a business owner. And so that was definitely part of it. You know, I'd been in sales before working with him and I don't know, just entrepreneurial yeah, I think my whole family is just full of business owners. And so I kind of grew up seeing it and, you know, the freedom, flexibility it can offer. But yeah, that was definitely a big part of it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people know early on that they want to be business owners. I'm sure some people don't, but I don't know if it's just this, even if you don't even know what it looks like or feels like, it's just something that yeah. I feel like there's like an internal sense of it. Like you want to want to so, control your own destiny to a degree. So. So I take it you grew up and knew that's what you wanted to do, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know why either. It was just, it was like, yeah, I want to have my own business. Didn't know what it would be. Didn't know if I'd be good at it. You know, just, and and I did come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I think that was a more normal, you know, idea because I saw it, you know, my dad had his own business. His dad did. My grandfather on the other side did, you know, my uncles did. So I I had a lot of that. So I probably was very heavily influenced, but I had talked to a lot of people that just kind of, whatever reason they kind of knew. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I've never really talked to anyone about it, but yeah, it was kind of always just like a burning desire, I guess. Maybe I just don't want to answer to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a lot of it for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, sometimes like I always thought of myself, as not a creative person, but in the business sense, I think I am creative. Like that's where I get to flex creativity. And it just, 
to me, I always thought creative is like art and stuff like that. But I think there's a lot of creativity within business and it just, it just looks different. I actually completely agree and resonate with that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm more type A, right? You know, I'm an accountant organized. I don't remember left brain, right brain, how that works. Honestly, I don't remember, but I do enjoy the creativity side of business and strategy. You know, I created the app that we used for clients to work with us. And I guess that's kind of how I flex that. You know, I love when like I can have a few hours uninterrupted to just like work on stuff like that. Right. Instead of just knocking out tasks, that's kind of where I like, I don't know, I kind of like refuel by like just working on stuff like that. That's working on the business, I guess. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with that autonomy piece and like getting to work on stuff you want to work on. And usually when you're a business owner, you have a little bit more autonomy in, in more areas to a degree. And then you have less because you're responsible for everything. But uh, <laughs> I gave it to a boss, but now I have, you know, like 35 bosses, yep, uh, exactly. you know, <laughs> clients. <laughs> well, on the flip side of creativity, we have numbers, which is what you help help your clients with. But one one of the reasons that we wanted to do this really today was to dig into a very specific part of the numbers, and that is the WIP report. I feel like there's a lot of confusion around it. You can Google it. You can look up a lot of different things. But I thought it'd be helpful to just kind of run through what it is, why it's useful, some of those kind of core pieces. So yeah, maybe just for everybody that's listening, what is a WIP report? Yeah, no, everyone has a different you know, level of knowledge about it or degree of knowledge. So you could find a lot online, but it's hard to digest. I think it's easier if someone, you know, shows it to you and then it it even becomes easier after you do one. And then it just, at some point it clicks and that happens faster for other people. But, you know, WIP report stands for work in progress report. And it basically just gives you, you know, lists out all your jobs, your current projects and tells you, how close you are to finishing them. Simple. That's a simple answer, but it's really calculating percentage of completion on your projects based off of your current costs. And so what all did you ask? You know, what is it? That's, that's basically what it is. Why is it important? There could be a lot of answers, but for me, it's, it's the KPIs you get out of it, but also just the more accurate view of your financials. And, and just your your company's performance and not just at the project level, but overall, because you'll, we'll get into it, I think. But at the end of it, you, you get something that you put into QuickBooks that affects your profit and loss and your balance sheet. So now you're looking at your overall company performance, right? And you're, and you can just, you make better, you can make better decisions when you have, you know, a better view of your financials, but yeah, maybe we should just kind of dive into it because it's hard to know what I'm even talking about without hearing some of the specifics. So, yeah, should we just use a example project or something like hundred grand project? Yeah, and you're going to run, yeah, run a report and figure out like yeah. how far how far along you are. Yeah, no, you, you teed me up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> nice round numbers are always easy. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I used a one hundred thousand dollar project, so that's great. I wrote down some numbers. Maybe before I I do that. You know, I, I kind of broke it down into like, first off, when you look at a, a spreadsheet that people use to calculate a WIP report, it's like overwhelming. It's like so many columns, a lot of different numbers, but, and you can get overwhelmed. But I think when you understand that there's really only a few things that you actually have to input to the spreadsheet, 
it might make you feel better. Um, yeah. Really, so what are the, the inputs? Yeah, so, so I broke it down into like, into spreadsheet inputs and then spreadsheet outputs, which actually become your QuickBooks inputs. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That <laughs> makes it easy. So the inputs, there's really six main inputs, two of which you only have to do once per project. And then two that you do monthly for each project and then four that you do monthly monthly for each project if you're doing a monthly whip report which i do recommend that frequency out of those four that you do monthly you really your bookkeeper does two of them and whoever manages your job budgets does the other two so the two that you put in when you start a project are your original costs and your original contract so the contract would be what your customer is going to pay you and your costs or what your hard costs are going to be on that project that you estimated, which never turns out to be reality. So then the monthly numbers then are your revised contract and your revised costs. So your revised contract would be your original plus change orders and allowances or just budget overruns, whatever you want to call it. That That's what you're the revised contract is what you expect your customer to pay you at the end. And then your revised costs is just like the original cost, but it's now what you actually expect your cost to be at the end after all the changes that have been made. And then so an example to- of that would be beginning of the project, hundred grand costs, 60 grand, and then yeah. change orders. Hey, we upsold them. They wanted to buy some more stuff, whatever, 110,000, but now the cost went up. So 65, yeah. something like that. Let me, let me use the numbers because I've already right. got them. Oh, perfect. Down. Yeah. You do your numbers then. Yeah. <laughs> For ease of use. So I don't have to do too many calculations on the fly here. I'm good, but maybe not that good. Uh, <laughs> well, that's why we have tools, right? <laughs> yeah. Software does the hard, the heavy lifting. So the original contract, I, I did do $100,000 and the original cost, I did 50 just to make it super easy, but no one's really making 50% gross profit. I know it's just what I used. So you're, 100,000 contract, 50,000 costs, original gross profit is 50%. Let's say now your revised contract is $150,000 and your revised costs are $90,000. So that is actually a 40% gross profit percentage. So your gross profit percentage went down. Maybe it's a fixed price contract and you went over budget by whatever, 10, 20 grand. And so now you got some slippage. And we'll get into KPIs, but slippage is one of them that you can track because you're tracking your revised contract versus your original contract. So that example, at this point, you've put in your two inputs to start and then a month goes by and now you put in these revised numbers of those, uh, the contract value and then your estimated costs. Yep. But then the other two monthly numbers that you put into the WIP are your your actuals, your current Mm -hmm. costs and your current billings. So what you've actually... How much have you invoiced your customers is your billings and how much have you actually paid out? And we're, and we're, we're talking about accrual for this whole demonstration. A percentage of completion method of accounting is an accrual method of accounting. So now let's move down the example, I guess. We've got, I put in current costs of $50,000 and current billings of 40. So you've, You've invoiced your customers $40,000, but you've paid out $50,000. It might sound like you're underbilled by $10,000, but you're actually underbilled more than that. And now I'm getting into the two or three really outputs from the spreadsheet, which you then use as inputs 
into QuickBooks if you're going to do a journal entry to adjust QuickBooks. And that's, you know, something that you need to address with your tax accountant, really. You know, that's just the textbook answer. Talk to your CPA about <laughs> or whoever does your taxes about switching to percentage of completion method of accounting. If you're going to do it, you need to do it right, though. But that's all I'll say about that. But if you're going to do a journal entry in QuickBooks, the outputs that you get from the spreadsheet are over billings or under billings. It's one or the other for each project. You're either overbilled or you're underbilled. And then percentage of completion revenue. And so that, I'm trying to think the best way to explain that. The WIP is taking that expected gross profit percentage that we've calculated from the revised contract and the revised costs. And it's using that percentage to calculate your actual percentage of completion revenue. So if your current costs, and it's it's multiplying it by your current costs at the end of the month. Gotcha. So, so current, basically costs, current costs divided by the gross profit. Yeah. So if your current costs are $50,000, your percentage of completion revenue, because we're at a 40% gross profit is the new expected gross profit. That means your revenue, your percentage of completion revenue is 83,334 because that's taking your cost plus your markup. Even though you haven't billed your customers for all of your costs in your markup, it's still going to calculate it for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're basically trying to figure out, okay, I'm at this 83 and some change number, but the new revised number was the 150 or whatever you gave us. But you're basically trying to figure out how far am I through this project revenue wise? Yep, exactly. So that's and that's how much your if your percent complete revenue is eighty three three thirty three or whatever, but you've only billed your customers forty thousand dollars. That means mm-hmm. you're actually underbilled by thirty three thousand three thirty three. Yeah, you're you're um, booking that revenue, but you don't have the cash yet because you haven't. Not only do you not have the cash, but you haven't even created the invoice yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like an extra layer on top of accrual. You would recognize it because you've sent the invoice, but in this case, you haven't even sent the invoice yet. So I see what you're saying. Yeah, that is a whole nother, whole nother layer. <laughs> just like, yeah, just like a accrual version of accrual. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that's kind of the best way I can put it. Back to the yeah to the WIP report, and in your example, you gave us the, like the six inputs, but and then you said it gets us to a set of outputs. What are kind of those main outputs that you get from this report? Yeah. So the spreadsheet outputs, which are QuickBooks inputs, are what I just was talking about. Overbillings or underbillings and the percentage of completion revenue. So you book those into, into QuickBooks. And so now your P&L shows um, you know, that total percentage of completion revenue and not just what you've sent invoices for. And so if you're doing this monthly, you now get a more consistent monthly P&L. Whereas before you might have skip two months of invoicing and then sent $500,000 worth of invoices in one week when you should have been doing $100,000 a month or something in invoices. It's a bit like a forecast, more of a, just like a forecasting tool or like why just, would somebody want to run this? I guess is kind of the question behind the question. <laughs> yeah. So like you get what I'm saying. If let's say last month your you, your costs were your cost of goods sold were $500,000, but you didn't send any invoices out it would look like your gross profit was negative $500,000. When you look at that in, on a P&L and QuickBooks, what are you supposed to do with that? Shut down you, the business, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you didn't actually lose $500,000 in, in gross profit. But when you do a whip, 
even though you didn't send out any invoices last month, you would just do a quick journal entry adjustment for percentage of completion revenue. And it might be $800,000 of revenue in that scenario with 500,000 in COGS. And now you've got a $300,000 gross profit and whatever gross profit percentage that is. So you can actually now look back at a monthly P&L for the whole year and be like, okay, this is when we dip. This is when we got busy. So does that make sense? Yeah. Makes uh, a ton of sense. Yeah. It actually allows you to look at your books and make decisions versus if you don't do it, you just have these big yeah, peaks you, and valleys and you don't have a good insight as to what's going on. Yeah. If you don't do it, the only way to figure out how you're actually doing as a company is is at the end of every single month, make sure you send a bill for every single cost that you've incurred on every project. And then in reality, that's just not going to happen. That timing never works out. You may just not have the time. You may not want to send the invoice because the customer is mad at you and you want to wait until they're in a good mood. That kind of stuff really does happen for builders. Or you know you've got appliances are being delivered next week. So I want to wait until I can bill for those too. It just, the timing never works out to be 100% billed on all your costs. So that's to me one of the, the, the main benefits of the WIP. But then we can, this might be a good transition. I, I was going to talk about, you know, kind of the KPIs that you can get from it as well, other than over and under billings and percentage of completion revenue. Those are the two main, those are KPIs in my opinion. But other than that, I've really just got a couple too. It, you know, slippage is real easy to see when you do a whip report because you're you're tracking your dips and your gross profit percentage because you've got your original numbers in, but now you've got your revised numbers in. And then at the end of the project, you've got your final actual numbers in and you can see how you did compared to what you estimated. And you see all your projects all together and you're like, okay, and you can you can group them by like type of projects. So it's like, man, bathroom models knocking it out of the park, or kitchens, whatever, or just new additions or custom homes. Like you can see how you're doing for each type of project. But I think my favorite my favorite KPI from the whip is the gross profit on backlog number. And we I'm gonna need to explain that one. Okay. Yeah, that one's a new one. Gross profit on backlog. Uh, right, yeah. Walk us through it. Yeah. Hold the on. slippage, slippage is pretty straightforward. I feel like you're basically just comparing what you thought versus yeah. reality. And then and nothing, how far ahead, behind, or on track are we, right? Yeah. And you can, of course, get that from Builder Trend, Job Tread, you know, project management, budget versus actuals. You know, so that's nothing novel. The gross profit on backlog number is a, is a whip report specific number, in my opinion. And that, if you think back to our example, you know, since we've got what we expect the project to end at, you know, as far as income and costs, then we ex we know what we expect our gross profit to be. And then the WIPs calculating our actual gross profit earned to date. And so then you get a gross profit on backlog number, which means gross profit not yet realized yet for each project. So every project's at a different phase, right? So, you know, one might have $5,000 left in gross profit or another one might have 200,000 left, but they all add up to one gross profit on backlog number. You know, let's say you've got, I wrote it down. So let's say you've got five projects like the one that we did. The gross profit on backlog for that project was 26,667. Cause you remember the, let's see, well, doesn't matter. That's the number. Yeah. Let's say you've got five projects like that. That's like $130,000 in gross profit. 
on backlog at, for a company, let's say your monthly overhead averages $40,000 a month. And those are fixed numbers that aren't changing. The gross profit number is changing. In that scenario, you'd only have three months of overhead covered by your current, mm-hmm. you know, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's pretty simple when you actually do it and break it out. It's like, oh, that it's actually pretty easy to calculate, but it's an eye-opening number for builders. And, you know, they can, depending on your what type of projects you do and lead cycle, how long it takes to which that's where y'all come in, but how long it takes to get a lead and close the lead and turn it into a project. The number of months covered by the backlog is different for each company, right? Some, it might, three might be okay for some, but I see 10 being a better number for most, you know, for bigger project companies, 10 to 12 for custom builders, like a better number. It tells you kind of how hard to hit the sales process or, or you might need to dial it back. It's like you got 18 months covered. It's like, I think we, I think we're pretty set. Yeah. It feels like that's, well, one that just feels like, so you're, you're running a whip on each project. And then this is like a roll up where it's like, oh, I'm in the middle of five projects. So then, okay, this is how much runway I've got on my total gross profit that I haven't realized that will cover my overhead. This feels like this is where the intersection of like finance and the business flywheel really yeah. come together because you can, like you were just saying, like, okay, if you're trying to grow the business or optimize the business or, you know, whatever the scenario is, you're saying, okay, if I've got 18 months of backlog, but you're trying to grow, maybe the decision is actually we need to just hire more people so we can chew through this backlog faster, like finish these projects faster and take on more work sooner or, oh, this is great. Like we just want to build this backlog out as far as we can to solidify the future. You know, obviously people only wait so long, but it allows you to kind of make those types of decisions, I'm assuming. Yeah, everyone is different in what they want, you know, out of their business. So whenever I, sometimes when I show this number to, I work with a lot of builders that have business coaches, it seems like whenever I show them this number, they're like, oh, I can't wait to show my coach that number. You know, that's like, that's just a good number to add to their dashboard or whatever. And then I've talked to another business coach that uses that to turn it into like a cash flow projection. So after you do the whip, it's not hard to do it all. You know, I can do it or you can do it yourself where you just set an end date for all your projects on the whip. And then you've got a gross profit on backlog number for each project. And then if you know how many months are left on each project, you can just use the average or you can try to get more granular than that. But, you know, you can basically project if you know you're going to, you have, let's say you have eight months covered on your backlog, but you know, you're actually going to finish all those projects in six months. Well, that means those extra two months of overhead are just kind of gravy on top, you know, like you're actually going to make that in profit. You're not just going to break even, you're going to make it in profit. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. And really, you yeah, as long as you're lining up, kicking off more more projects that date, right after. Yeah, every contract that you have that you know you're going to actually start project, you want that included on the whip, just so that backlog number is included in the total backlog. That Even if sense. you don't have any cost for it yet, you still just want to throw it on there. Yeah, I feel like the whip gives you a lot more than I originally thought it did. Talking through all this, like there are a handful of inputs, but I, half of them aren't that hard to get. And you should be able to get them from a couple of different people. But then yeah. it seems like it's just about actually running it, actually looking at it and going, okay, where where am I right now with all of these projects that are at various 
stages. Yeah. It feels like that's what it gives you a really good picture on. Yes. So I think you're right. It's not hard to get them. I think that the two, the two that people struggle with, if they're going to struggle with it is the revised contract and revised cost numbers. They don't know where they stand on their projects. And that's, you know, that just comes down to good project management, you know, and good software helps with that. But you got to software is only as good as the person using it. Yeah. The data that goes into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's only good if you're going to use it. You know, most builders don't have time to manage good job budgets and builder trend, job tread or whatever. But, you know, I'm here to help with that. I don't necessarily do do that for you. I I give advice on that. I can give kind of best practices. You know, I did it for years for my brother's company as the controller. I was more than just bookkeeping, right? I was actually managing the job budgets and talking to customers about their budgets and, you know, updating them when we go over budget, which is never fun. You know, don't miss that. <laughs> If you know, you know, I guess builders out there listening, especially when frame and materials skyrocketed anyways. So you got to be good at the moral of that is you got to be good at just knowing, you know, what you're about looking at your current costs and projecting out what you think they're going to like, basically, what do you have left? You know what you've spent, but what do you have left to spend? And it just has to become a discipline of actually doing the work, just like doing a monthly whip report is a, is a good frequency doing a monthly budget update for your projects and updating your customers, I think is also a good frequency at a minimum. You know, it's just, I found this is totally off topic, but I think it's value adding. We found in my brother's company that just the sooner you let a customer know about budget overages, the better it goes. Like if you, if you're that builder that waits till the end to send them a $200,000 change order, you don't know if you're going to get paid or not for that. You just don't because they didn't sign off on it or they've got all the leverage at that point. Anyways, I'm going to get off my soapbox on that. Yeah. But. No, it's good. I mean, cause that stuff, it happens, right. And there's so many variables and yeah, prices change and yeah, stuff you can't predict shows up. So yeah. And Miller, I appreciate you doing the numbers over audio. I feel like that's an added challenge. And, and I feel like a lot of people that are builders, they don't really want to get in to the numbers a ton. Uh, that's not why they got into the business, but they're so important and it really can make or break just your peace of mind around running your business. You know, if you're always like worried about where stuff stands and you just don't have any visibility into it. Yeah. It feels like this report in particular is hugely valuable. I got one or two more questions for you, but for anybody that listening, that's listening, wants to connect with you or learn more about what you're up to, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. You know, first off, I wanted to say if you don't have a whip or you don't have a template to use for a spreadsheet, I was going to say you could just email me and I could send send you mine and it'll show you where to put those inputs we talked about and then it'll show you where the outputs spit out. But if you just email me at miller at builderbookkeep.com and just say you heard the podcast and you want the spreadsheet, I'll just send it to you. But if you're, you know, of course, if you want to talk about me actually doing your whip, <laughs> I think that's a good idea. And you can go to my website and just book a meeting with me at builderbookkeep.com and just click on the contact page. But you can check us out. You can book either a phone call with me or a Zoom. I definitely prefer Zoom. You know, we can meet face to face and I can show you our, our app, show you how that works and what our services are like. And I can show you the whip report too. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. And um 
Yeah, definitely. If you don't have a template, send Miller an email, grab a template, reach out if you need some help. I guess, Miller, to wrap us up, two questions. Do you have a favorite business book uh, or one that you'd recommend? And then just any final words of wisdom or one piece of advice It could be broad or you can keep it keep it about the numbers, however you want to answer it. You said favorite business book and then piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Business book, I would say the Lean Startup was like influential for me. I think about it all the time and maybe it's just specific to my business though and not to builders, but you know, I'm just scrappy, I think. And maybe I'm just cheap. I don't know. But it just it helps you figure out how to how to start your own business and grow your own business without breaking the bank. Right. And I think it's more of a mindset. But really I think traction is probably the best business book out there. And I just have done a terrible job implementing it. So I need to reread it and implement it. Piece of advice, I would actually go back to what I was just talking about with the budget stuff. For builder, if we're talking about builder specifically advice, I would say those budget updates, they actually, I think, make a bigger difference than you might realize of just addressing problems before it's too late or the sooner the better. And your customers will appreciate it. You know, they love transparency. And if you treat it more of like, and this is more about cost plus builders, but you know, you're basically handling their money for them and you want to steward it well, right? So yeah, if you just update them frequently on the budget and where things stand, you know, and explain like why things are going over ahead of time, then they don't get surprised when they get an invoice later and that's when they get mad. So you just want to avoid that. Yeah, no, that's great. And yeah, Miller, really appreciate you joining us today. And yeah, thanks for carving out the time. Thanks, man. I loved it. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Miller. There were a lot of numbers being thrown around. And so what I recommend is shoot him an email and snag that whip report spreadsheet that he's got. He's boiled it down to just the simple inputs. And so all you have to do is grab those inputs and put them in, and then you will get the outputs from that report. As you can see, as we walked through the different examples through the conversation, there are a number of really helpful metrics and KPIs that Miller was talking about that you get from this report that allow you to forecast to see where you're at, but also just ensure that your books are straightened out and that you can actually look at your monthly P&Ls and make really good decisions. Otherwise, you have these wild swings and you're just kind of flying a little bit blind. So yeah, hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's tough to follow along with the numbers over audio and uh, appreciate Miller walking us through those because I feel like this stuff is absolutely critical if you want a good grasp on where you are with your projects, where you are with your cash, with your financial system. So highly recommend you reach out and grab the spreadsheet and uh, reach out to Miller if you need help. And we'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio.